Do it. 
Show me 
be strong like my father Even when I'm scared And when someone's in trouble I'll never leave them there And I love like my mother Like there's nothing to lose You're my unsung hero And I sing this song for you Good morning, church. Good to see you. Come on in. Make yourself comfortable. We're going to get started. Praise the Lord for a sunny day in the neighborhood today. You all made it. Now, it's hard sometimes, right? You wake up and it's cold and it's rainy. And, but praise the Lord that um, God has brought us all here together today, really for the one purpose of worshiping do that in, in many different ways, and we will. We're going to worship God through uh, the reading of his word in just a moment and through song, sing words that uh, remind us of the goodness of God and about who we are in him. We worship God through prayer and even through fellowship like we were just having. Uh, another reminder that today, uh, after our worship service, we end our service with and then we will have our fellowship lunch. We love to do that once a month, so please stay for that. All are welcome. Of uh, and there's wonderful opportunities to continue worshiping God after our service as we tell each other the goodness of God and remind each other about how God is at work in our lives. Um, <clears throat> it's always a blessing to be able to worship God in this place together because I, I trust that this will be the beginning of a week of worship for you. However it is that you bring glory to God during the week, how you offer up yourselves to worship, as uh, we're reminded in Romans chapter 12. And so we are offering ourselves to God. We are to be a um, living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him, as Paul says, our spiritual act of worship. But it's, it's a really special thing to do that together because we get to hear other people singing and we get to be reminded of the diversity that we have in our lives and what it will be like in heaven. And so I'm grateful for that and I trust that you are too. I'd like to read to you uh, from Daniel chapter 7. This is a portion of the prophet Daniel's vision. He had dreams and visions and these were uh, visions of the future, of prophetic events. And listen to these words as he describes part of his vision, the throne room of God, and what it is that he is seeing, the prophecy God gives him. Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, 
and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Would you stand with me? We praise our God for Jesus, who is that Son of Man, prophesied years before his birth by the prophet Daniel. In the ancient of days, our Father God, our Creator, he is the ancient of days because he is from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. We're going to sing a new song after we pray our first song. It is called Ancient of Days, and so if you haven't heard it before, feel free to just worship by listening, um, and as you catch on, sing along with us, but what a great reminder that our God has no beginning and no end. He is the God who has created the universe and created each of us, and we have the privilege of worshiping here this morning that great God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words. Thank you for that vision that you gave the prophet Daniel, a glimpse into what that looks like, what it might be like for all of eternity as we are in your presence, that beautiful and powerful reminder. Jesus, the Son of Man, who came for us, sent by the Father the ancient of days. We lift up that holy name now. We praise you not only for what you have done for us, but simply for who you are. To you be all the glory and power and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Church, let us worship that God together now.
once you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your You give life. You give.
Amen. It is good to be able to sing of that joy in this place, right? Let's say good morning to somebody next to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We can uh, find our way back to our seats, please. Praise the Lord. Praise God for great fellowship. We, um, we have our luncheon afterwards, as I mentioned. Make sure that you, you, know, that you stay for that. Everyone is welcome. And uh, whether you brought fruit or not, that doesn't matter. This is, uh, it's an awesome opportunity for continued fellowship and just uh, be together as a family. So hopefully that uh, you have time to stay for that, uh, for our uh, food and fellowship. Uh, and so it's great to see everybody uh, just greeting one another in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so we'll have more time to do that after as well. And so, of course, learn, grow, serve. We talk about this often, but it's because they are our core values. We learn the truth, we grow in faith, and we serve. And that's how we pursue being disciples of Jesus. A disciple is a learner or a follower. And you know, we have our discipleship pathway uh, resource, and I'm actually going to be talking about that during this morning's message. Um, but uh, that is how uh, we learn, grow, and serve together, uh, by being disciples who are making disciples and growing as disciples. And uh, we have a whole um, resource that's available to you that we are continuing to roll out. Uh, and uh, you'll hear more about that in just a few minutes. 
But our discipleship pathway is a key part of how we learn, grow, and serve together. Just a few quick uh, church life updates. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we will have our annual kids Christmas program. So that will be on Sunday, December 17th during the worship service, right? So that's coming up in a couple of weeks. So make sure that you are there for that. Our kids are uh, preparing for that, rehearsing. And so it's always a wonderful time and just a blessing to be able to be blessed by them as they prepare for some songs and skits. And so that is a great Sunday to uh, invite some family and friends, maybe some people that you've been sharing your faith with. Uh, that is a, a good Sunday to bring them and uh, be blessed for that. So that is during the service on the 17th. Uh, on the 24th, which actually this year, as you probably noticed on your calendar, Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. So we'll have one service that day, our normal 10.30 a.m. service. So we will not come back for the uh, traditional candle light evening service. And so uh, we will sort of combine those and have our candlelight service in the morning, and uh, we'll have some extra worship, uh, some songs, and a, a special message, of course, about uh, the Christmas story. Uh, you'll hear more about that in a minute, too. But just wanted to make sure we're all aware of that, that on Sunday, December 24th, which is Christmas Eve, uh, we will have just that one service that morning at 10.30 a.m., okay? And uh, that's another good opportunity to invite people, uh, let them know that we're We'll be here that morning, and uh, we normally get a lot of visitors uh, for our Christmas services, and so uh, make sure you are uh, aware of that and uh, let people know that they come out and, and uh, enjoy Christmas Eve uh, service with us that morning. And then uh, finally, before we open the Word of God together, just a reminder, of course, that we are praying for the peace of Jerusalem, as it says in Psalm 122. If you're interested, I would encourage you, read Psalms 120, 121, and 122. Uh, they speak directly to what that means to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And uh, that phrase is taken from specifically Psalm 122. And so uh, make sure that we continue to do that. So I'd like to do that now, just corporately, that we pray for what is going on in Israel, for the war there, and for the, um, the state of affairs in our country and in our world. As we look back on this year behind us and look forward to a new year, I think we are all in agreement that uh, we need to pray more. Amen? We need to be a church that is known for praying. We pray for each other. We are told in Scripture to pray for our leaders. We are told to pray for those who are being persecuted and those in distress. And so let us do that now together before we open the Word of God. Father God, we thank you for the, um, for the encouragement, for the exhortation, yet for the command to pray. God, we don't, of course, know exactly how it is that you work out your will through our prayers, yet we simply want to be obedient and pray, because you tell us to pray, you tell us to pray without ceasing to pray earnestly and with fervor and with thankfulness in our hearts. And so, God, we're thankful for the privilege of prayer. We are thankful for this place, the freedoms that we have to uh, worship you and express our faith with freedom. We know that not every brother and sister around the world enjoys that same 
freedom and privilege. We pray for them. God, we pray for the nation of Israel. Lord, we pray um, for them as a nation, as your chosen people. We pray, Father God, that you would protect them. You tell us in your word, like in those Psalms, that you will protect them. You have a plan and a purpose for them. God, you have revealed much about that and much we don't know and how you're going to, to work that all out, Father, but yet we trust you for you are completely trustworthy in all things. And so we simply pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for the, the peace in the Middle East. We pray, Father God, that you would um, be merciful so that lives would be spared. And that ultimately, more people through this war will come to saving knowledge of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, both Jew and Gentile alike. So God, move us to pray and to pray often. And Father, we do pray for what it is that you are doing in and through that nation. We pray, Father God, for our part in it as believers here in this corner of the world. God, may we be moved to pray and all the more earnestly we encourage each other as we see the day approaching as you call us to. Father, may we encourage each other. May we encourage each other that you hold the future in your hands, and it is you that we trust. Not in princes or earthly powers, but in you, the great God of the universe, the ancient of days. We pray to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We start a new series. Today, it's a series for the month of December. We're going to take a break from uh, going through the book of Matthew together. We'll uh, resume that right after the new year. But for the next four weeks, ending on December 24th, Christmas Eve that morning, we will be looking at, in these four weeks, the heralding of the coming of Jesus, the proclamation of the good news, the announcing of the Messiah, and what it specifically has to say to us about how we are to tell others about Jesus. I've been mentioning often in the last couple of months the, the newest installment of our Discipleship Pathway resource on how to be followers of Jesus, and it is this booklet. You'll be seeing more of this in the new year. There will be groups and studies uh, on how to um, tell your story and how to tell the story in this booklet as the second installment of our Discipleship Pathway resource does simply that. It reminds us in powerful words how to share our faith with other people and what that looks like, how to organize our story, how to um, put it together so we can share it clearly and succinctly and share it powerfully. But of course, intricately woven into our story of faith is the story, which is the gospel. It is the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. And so when we share our story of faith, as we evangelize, as we um, tell our testimony in Jesus, we are, of course, to proclaim 
and to announce and to share the good news of the gospel of grace, of why Jesus was born. And so for the next four weeks, we will look at how it is that God announced the birth of Jesus, that story that we are reminded of during this Christmas time season, and what it means for us if God told the story and proclaimed the good news that Jesus had come, the promised Messiah, how are we to proclaim that good news to others? And so we will incorporate the Christmas story into us learning together how to tell our stories and tell the story, which truly is the Christmas story. And so if you remember from Luke chapter 2 that we read often during this time of year, we hear the angels saying to the shepherds, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That is what we are to do with other people. Think about those friends, those relatives, those co-workers in your life, those people in your neighborhood, in your community that you have been telling about your faith in Jesus and what opportunities you may have this time of year, not only to invite them to church, to see the, the kids' Christmas program, or invite them for the December 24th you know, celebration service, but how we are to tell them what the angel told the shepherds, what the prophets had foretold would happen, what the magi took and then spread to other parts of the known world at the time, the good news, which is great joy. Church, do we feel a sense of great joy when we have the opportunity to share the good news with others? Or perhaps when you hear the word evangelism or share your testimony, do we recoil in fear? For the angel also said, do not fear, didn't he? Do not fear, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. So I think in our series this month, we will help to assuage some of those fears, to put aside some of the, even the guilt that we might feel for not sharing the gospel more often. Maybe there, you've had those opportunities recently and you feel like, oh man, I blew it. I was telling them about Jesus, but I forgot to use the name Jesus. <laughs> we all have done things like that. But as we learn how to tell our story and tell the story, we will look at this month four ways that God told the story, that God proclaimed that good news of great joy. He did so through the prophets, and he did so through the angels and the shepherds and the magi. So each week, we will look at one of those. This morning, we begin with the Old Testament and the prophets. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Emmanuel means God with us, one of the beautiful names of our Savior Jesus. Our God, the creator of the universe, has revealed himself to us. Isn't that not amazing? That God, through his creation, has revealed his majesty to us. For it says that in the beginning, God created the first words of the Bible. He created the heavens and the earth. And so God has revealed himself to us 
starting to tell us his story through his creation. The God who created the heavens and the earth has told us about himself. What a great privilege we have. So we can see him in his creation. We know that part of that creation story that we see the very beginning of the Old Testament, it says he created light with his very words. He created light so that we may see the abundant beauty of his creation. But Jesus is also called the light of the world. We have Jesus, the light of the world, that our souls may see life and to have that life more abundantly. God has revealed himself to us through his creation. We call it general revelation. Through specific revelation, his word, and of course, Jesus, his son. Emmanuel, God with us. Our God has revealed himself to us. Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, is God incarnate, coming to dwell among his people, Emmanuel, God with us. And then God, of course, revealed the birth of Jesus to his people. Again, God, our creator, has told us that he exists, that he is the self-existent one, and that he has created all things. We see him in that creation and that we see him in Jesus, God incarnate. But yet God chose to reveal himself to us and to tell the story of the birth of Jesus. God revealed his plan to bring about a redeemer through the prophets. He announced that good news, that great story by his angels. He proclaimed the birth of the Savior to the shepherds, and he spread that truth, the good news of great joy, through the Magi. We will look at how God has done that, each in those four ways over the next four weeks. We will use scriptures that are often heard during Christmas time, and we will use content from our book of the Discipleship Pathway. We begin with the prophets. Genesis twenty-two eighteen says this, And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. A promise that God has made to Abraham. He does it then through King David. And we know in the genealogy in the Gospel of Matthew, which we saw recently as we go through that series, it says that Jesus is the son of David, the son of Abraham. The same genealogy lists Jesus as a descendant of Jacob. So now listen to this prophecy in Numbers 24 from the book of Numbers. It says, a star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. A proclamation of the good news to come. Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Son of God, and Jesus is God with us. Even John 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God is telling us 
this amazing story of good news of great joy. Listen to some words of the prophets of old. Isaiah 7.14 says this about the coming Messiah. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. A prophecy from the prophets of old that we read about in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah, the story of the birth of Jesus and his mission and message foretold. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And in Micah 5, 2, it says this, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. 700 years before Jesus, prophets spoke of the coming Messiah. Now, they often were not welcomed in their own um, country, amongst their own people, whether they were at home or in exile. The prophets were given a message by God the Father, the one who sent them, and said, tell the people of Israel about their disobedience, about the consequences, but remind them of the good news as well that there will be salvation one day with the coming of the sent one, the Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Reconciler of all people to God. And so God has shared the story through the prophets with the people of Israel to be a light to all of the nations that we would be blessed through Jesus Christ and his message. You see, church, we are to share our story with others. And as we learn the, the next coming weeks what that looks like and what things we are to include in that story, just consider how do you tell other people about how you came to faith in Jesus? How do you tell others about him and about that good news and who do you include in that story? Maybe there is somebody special in your life that, that shared the story of their faith and God used something in their life to, to, uh, to light a spark in you, to, a spark of interest for you to learn more. You know, when you sit down to watch a good movie, maybe you have your favorite Christmas movies that you'll watch this season and you love to follow the story. Why? And why are these movies our favorite movies? Because they tell an interesting story, dr dramatic, funny, inspiring. We love a good story, don't we? Because there is usually a beginning where everything is good and then something happens to mess it all up, right? Sometimes there's a villain involved. There's the bad guy. It's always a bad guy, right? The guy. I don't know. 
But then the rest of the story usually follows where there are, there's a hero, there's this movement to try to reclaim what was had, and in the end, all things are made well. We get those stories, those tropes, those themes from the Bible itself. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we know it was all good. And God looked at it each day, and he saw it was good, and he knew it was very good when he created humankind. And yet sin entered into the picture, began to ruin that story. But yet God promised a Redeemer who would one day come and make all things new. Jesus is that promised Redeemer. Do you believe that? And that's why we tell his story this time of year. We reminisce and we remember what it looks like for us to have been told that story for the first time. Maybe for you it was in, in, uh, in, in Sunday school or in junior church. Maybe you heard it when you were in college like I did. I have a special person in my life. Maybe you do too because this is important as we learn how to share our story effectively, our story of faith. You've heard me say before about my friend Tom, who I've known since kindergarten. God brought him into my life, and at that time when we were in kindergarten, his father became a believer, and his father was a great man and had this great presence, and he was a Broadway actor and in film and had this big, deep voice, and he was the kind of guy that you would never say no to. An imposing figure, yet he loved Jesus deeply and with great passion. And So it was simply me spending time with my best friend Tom over the years, being invited to his family dinners and to their family Bible studies and learning from that family what Jesus was all about learning the story and getting to hear his story and the story of the family members. But it wasn't until, it wasn't until after my first year in college that I realized in that one moment of time that all that I had learned was true above all other truths I had been taught, but yet that it was true for me. See, that the story was told was a personal story that Jesus died for me. It wasn't just factual. It wasn't just intellectual. It wasn't just a family tradition. But it was at that moment that I realized that I simply needed to believe. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he did what he said he would come to do, but that he did it for me. Now I have a story to tell. And sharing that part of the story about my friend Tom and his dad and his family, that's a big part of my story. So consider that over the next few weeks. Who are the people that played an important part in your story of faith? Maybe some of them are right here in this room. Think about them. Be thankful for them if they're still with us and have not yet gone home to glory with Jesus. Thank them for that. Remember them. Include them in your testimony of faith. For God used certain people and groups of people to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. He used the prophets of old to bring that story of a coming redeemer. He used the angels 
who told the shepherds who visited Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus, he used the Magi to begin to spread that good news far and wide. Church, today, that is our mission and our message. Do you know that? That this is good news that we cannot keep to ourselves. It is good news of great joy. Listen to this from Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 7. Again, from the prophet Isaiah, about the coming Messiah, but about specifically his purpose. When we tell others about Jesus and we share the good news of the gospel of salvation in Christ and in him alone, we are to tell about Jesus and who Jesus is. People can say, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I believe he existed. I believe he was a good teacher. I believe he was called a rabbi. I believe he wore sandals and had long hair. They can believe all kinds of things. But what is it we believe about Jesus? Listen to the prophet Isaiah prophesying about the purpose of the Redeemer. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You include that in your testimony of faith that Jesus died for your sin. It says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. That is what Jesus has done for us. That is the good news for us that we are to proclaim. See, all of this is proclaimed and foretold and announced by the prophets. The coming of Messiah to rescue mankind from sin and redeem the lost human race was foretold by these prophets. They proclaimed his birth, the important details of his life, his purpose, and its effect on the world. And church, we are here today in what is called the age of grace, the church age, to do the same exact thing. You remember what we call the Great Commission Jesus' last instructions to his disciples. He said, go into all the world, the whole world, and make disciples. Go to all nations and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them all that I have commanded you to do. And Jesus said he'll be with us always. We have good news to proclaim, don't we? But yet God, in his infinite wisdom, and this is so amazing, has chosen us, each of you. He has chosen us to do that. 
I prayed earlier, we don't know exactly how God works out his will, his plan for the future through us and through our prayers, yet we are to be obedient and to pray and to tell others about Jesus. We have that great privilege. It is good news of great joy that we cannot keep to ourselves. So at Christmas time, we remember the story of the birth of Jesus, our Savior, a birth foretold by the prophets to prepare the way. Are we preparing the way so that others may come to know him as well? In Matthew chapter 3, it says this, In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That was the good news that he came to proclaim. John the Baptist, the prophet, like the Old Testament prophets. This is he who is spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. So here it is, the prophet Isaiah once again, who has spoken about John the Baptist, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. We are now ones who are called to be voices. Voices calling in this wilderness of darkness, in this world, a world that needs to know about light and hope and peace and joy and love, not just during the Advent season, but throughout the year. Just like John the Baptist was a prophet calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, we are to do that as well. Jesus, the last and greatest of the prophets, said he came to proclaim good news, did he not? In Luke chapter 4, we see him reading in the synagogue from, again, the prophet Isaiah, that great prophecy about the Messiah, that he came to proclaim good news, good news to the poor, to bring sight to the blind, to bring help to the hopeless. Jesus said that he was the one fulfilling that great prophecy. We are to proclaim it, to announce it, to share it, and to tell it. Church, I end with these words of encouragement. You know, I hope you do, that your story is a gift that God has given you. Your story of salvation, whoever God used in your life to bring you to that point that you came to believe in Jesus and him alone for the salvation of your soul, that story is a gift, and it is a gift too precious for us to keep to ourselves. We are to share it with others and not just during the Christmas season. As a believer in Jesus, did you know that you are a powerful apologetic? We hear that word sometimes, apologetics, right? Which simply means to be able to defend our faith. That word apologetics simply means to be able to argue for something, not like an argument, but to make a case for something. When you tell others about Jesus, you know the most powerful thing you can do, of course, apart from sharing the word of God with the words about the good news of Jesus, the gospel, the powerful tool you have is your story. Nobody can take that away from you. 
They can't take away from you the change that they see. The change that comes from a changed heart. Your story is a gift that God has given you, a gift we are to share. Your story of faith is an influential and potent tool in sharing Jesus with others. God poured out his grace to save you. You know that? And God's grace has always had a way of spreading. God's means of spreading his grace today is through the church. That's us. You know, the church is not a building, right? We do say it, kind of become part of our lexicon and our culture among Christians. Where are you going? I'm going to church. This is the church building. But you know, biblically speaking, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the mouthpieces for Christ. We are to represent him and to proclaim the good news of great joy, just like the prophets of old did. God's grace in salvation transforms your story, your life story. Even in the darkest of details, it transforms it into a gift that you can give away to others. Your story can become a gift that dramatically changes lives. If you're sitting here this morning and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you know that your life changed dramatically. Scripture says that the old is gone, the new has come. Don't you want that for other people in your life that don't yet know Jesus? You give that story away because your story, just like the people God used in your life, can dramatically change lives because it's a story about Jesus. Yes, our story is our story, and we all have a unique one, but our story really isn't mostly about us. It's about Jesus. This, there's influential people in your life, but it's not about them. It's about Jesus. Why? Our salvation cost him everything. Your salvation is a miracle of grace. Therefore, sharing your story of faith is a way to show gratitude to God and bring him glory. So why do we tell others about Jesus? First, somebody told you. You heard it on the radio. Somebody told you to read a Bible verse. You had a friend maybe you grew up with that kept sharing the faith and living it out and inviting you to his family Bible studies. God used other people to share the good news of great joy, just like he used the prophets and the angels and the shepherds and the magi so many years ago. He wants to use you now to tell others that good news, that amazing story. Do you know that also we get to collaborate with God? Now think about that for a moment. God chooses to use us. Does he need us? No, he is God. He wants us. He wants to use us. When we evangelize, when we tell other people about Jesus, when we're motivated to do that, we can, we can sense guilt because we don't do it enough or do it well. We can sense fear because we have to talk to somebody else, and perhaps we, we have a fear they're going to reject us. Remember, they're rejecting Jesus and not us. Just remember, as we began, God is always working to reveal himself to people. God is at work right now in the lives of the people in your life that you've been telling about Jesus. Those people that know that you're a Christian, 
God is working in their lives. Remember that. He's working behind the scenes to reveal himself to them, and he's choosing to use you to be a part of that plan. The Holy Spirit convicts unbelievers of sin. He draws them to God. He points them to Jesus. He is at work. God is always pursuing people. So when we tell our story, in a way we are collaborating with God to work out his plan of salvation for the world. What a great honor and privilege that is. Your story of faith is invaluable in the life of others. Church, we are now going to take communion together. We do this at least once a month here as a church as a reminder of that amazing story. You know, during Christmas, we remember the birth of Jesus, right? We remember the angels proclaiming it to the shepherds. We remember Charlie Brown sharing the story. You know, I think it's been 50 years since that came out. Isn't that amazing? 50 years. It's going to make you feel old. Okay. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. But today in the city of David, the Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. We remember the birth of Jesus, humanly speaking, where that began. But way before his birth, centuries before, God was telling the story to the world through his people of Israel, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through the one who would come through Jacob. He was telling the story like we are to do today. But when we come to the table of the Lord, as we do now, we're not remembering his birth, we're remembering his death. For that is why Jesus was born. He was born to die. To die in our place on the cross, take upon himself our sin and our shame. As I read earlier from Isaiah, how he reminds us the prophecy of old. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. During this time of solemn remembrance, we remember that Jesus was wounded for us wounded to the point of death. But yet it says that he went voluntarily, he went willingly to the cross because of his great love for us. Church, that's the story we are to tell other people. That's the powerful story. We don't have to make it relevant. It's always relevant. We don't have to make it sound so appealing. It is appealing. It may be offensive, but in its essence, it draws people to God. For our story is one of grace. And of course, our story would not be much of a story if it was just the birth of Jesus, if it does not include the death and, of course, the resurrection of that same Jesus. So this morning, as we take the bread and the cup together, consider those things. Consider your relationship with God. Consider, perhaps for a moment or two, the people that God has brought into your life that told you that story. 
And if you have any issues between other people, we know we are told that we are to bring those before God so that we don't eat or drink judgment upon ourselves, as the Apostle Paul says. So I'm going to pray in just a moment, and you'll hear the music playing. Take time during that music and just spend time with your God. Reflect on these things. And when you are done, and please take your time with that, there is no rush. Please come up either to the front or to the back side there and take a cup and take the bread and return to your seat. And after a time of personal reflection and everybody has gotten the elements and we're back in our seats, I will lead us to close our service through the, uh, the taking of the bread and the cup together. But let's pray first and pray for God's blessing on this time. Our great Heavenly Father, we have been reminded much about who you are from your word, which is how you have revealed yourself to us. You have shown us who you are through your creation, the creation of the heavens and the earth, the speaking into existence, light and life. Father God, yet we have been reminded of that this morning in a way that, God, it exhorts us, it, it encourages us, it challenges us, it hopefully convicts us, Father, that we are to tell other people in our life that desperately need it the good news of great joy. Father, may we be like the prophets of old who take that word that you have given us through the scriptures, the Holy Bible, and proclaim it to others. God, may we see it afresh and anew this Christmas season in a way perhaps we have lost sight of. The good news of great joy that we cannot help but tell others because of how good and great it is and because we know it ends in joy. But yet, God, now we are reminded of what it cost us to experience that joy of salvation. It cost Jesus everything. Father, we know it's true that he was despised and rejected, that the peace that we can enjoy comes from the wounds he suffered on our behalf. But yet we know belief in him and his atoning work on the cross brings us ultimate healing. Father, may we reflect on that now. We spend time with you, and we take the bread and we take the cup in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us.
the Lord Jesus in the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said these words, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, let's take and eat in remembrance of Jesus. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying this, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as, uh, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take and drink together in remembrance of him. Let's stand together and close in song. I mentioned earlier, the person that God used in my life, my best friend and his father, his name was Rich and he has gone home to be with the Lord. But on the evening of my wedding, Rich was there, a very important person in my life, and he got up not part of the plan, and sang this song, Blessed Assurance. He sang it with a heart of love for his God and for us. For this was his favorite song. It is my favorite song. This is our story, and this is our song. Praising our Savior all the day long. Let's sing this song together as we are reminded to tell others about the good news of Jesus. We do it through song now, let's sing.
Let us pray, Father. We want to continue to share that story. Let this be our life's song. Praising you, Jesus, our Savior, every day, all the day long. God, thank you. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for your word that reminds us so powerfully of what you have done for us. May we enjoy some great food and fellowship together and sharing that story. And when we leave this place, may we go proclaiming the good news of great joy. We do it for Jesus and in his name. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give our team a few minutes to bring the food out. Let's enjoy our fellowship lunch together.
risen, he's for me. 